This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, good morning, everybody. It's another beautiful day in San Diego. People are going to think that this is the movie Groundhog Day, Ahanu, when we get on here every Saturday morning and I say exactly the same thing. Another beautiful day in beautiful San Diego, California. And it looks like the sun is going to be shining today, and it's a perfect spring day. And we, when we got to California last November, we thought that this was just going to be a desert-looking place with a few palm trees. But it's spring, and now all these gorgeous tropical flowers are blooming everywhere in people's yards and on the streets. And it's turning out to be lovely and green, and we were so shocked, weren't we? Yes, it's a beautiful place, no doubt about it. But I wonder, because we haven't spent a summer here, how long that will last once that sun starts blazing down in the heat of summer. But however, let's leave that because right now is now and we try to live in the moment. And this is the message we put out there, that right now it's about our own attitudes and our own intentions and our own awareness. And that's what we're going to be speaking with. Um, Janice Barcelo about today, Janice Barcelo about today, who is our special guest. And she was on a few weeks ago with us. And she is an independent childbirth educator specializing in the prevention and healing of birth trauma. And she's an international speaker, TV and radio show host and founder of the forthcoming Birth of a New Earth Preparatory School for Conscious Procreation. Janice Janice has been an independent childbirth educator for the past nine years, offering educational seminars and teacher trainings and courses designed especially for men. Why couldn't we do with a lot of that? For more information about Janice, visit her website at birthofanewearth.com. Now, as I mentioned, she was on the show last month discussing birth trauma and conscious conception. And this time, we're going to be talking all about birth and hospital birth in particular and of course we're going to try and squeeze out of her some information about the Anastasia books which we've started reading and have to say are quite fascinating. Do you want to say something about this this situation Angel Rose that you've got me in where morning, noon and night and even during when we go out to dinner she wants me to read to her read me the Anastasia books Feels like a father with a little child reading a bedtime story, but there's no doubt I'm getting a great kick out of it too. Yes, and everybody would say I'm quite spoiled, Ahano, because I do have the luxury of just laying next to you and having you read me chapters, whether we're in Starbucks or we're out to dinner of the Anastasia books. We went and ordered every single one on Janice's recommendation the last time she was here. And we're we're delighted with them. We're finding them quite interesting. And that along with um, some of Penny Kelly's books, which are, you know, just gold. You know, I've got every one of Penny Kelly's books as well. So we'll be looking forward for, to this conversation today. But we do have a few announcements first, Ahana. I want to remind everybody that uh, I will be in Mankato, Minnesota, April 5th, 6th, and 7th 
I should say we shall be in Mankato, Minnesota. We're going to be at the Holistic Conference there, and I will be the Friday night keynote speaker. I'll be a three-hour presentation on which we're preparing right now. We're looking forward to that. And also, uh, what else do we have that's new, Ohano, besides the fact that we're working like dogs every day? Well, we do have to announce the fact that Angeros is beginning a training program to teach people how to read the Akashic Records. And it's just in the preliminary stages. We haven't done anything finalized as yet. But if you're interested, just go to angelrose.com forward slash students just to register your interest. We don't have any prices finalized. We haven't actually got the course material together yet. But it is a case of just registering your interest. And Angel Rose is A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E dot com forward slash students. And we're also putting the weekly group Akashic Records online. And you will find that we have a page to register your interest about that too on angelrose.com forward slash uh, I think it's Akashic hyphen records or online hyphen Akashic hyphen records. That's going to be starting in April. So I do look forward to that. The eight steps to freedom, you can sign up for that right now is number eight hyphen steps to freedom.com. And of course, don't forget Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, always available at a time of change.info. That's a time of change.info. But equally, you can find that on amazon.com. Simply search for Angel Rose. And do take note of that wonderful Irish spelling of the word angel. It's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E dot com. So search for Angel Rose on Amazon. You'll also find her forthcoming book there to you for pre-order, The Nature of Reality. And you can get information about that at thenatureofreality.info. So that's about it, really. Uh, we are on iTunes, as we just announced a couple of weeks ago. So if you were to get on iTunes and search for Angel Rose... You'll find her there, and indeed you will find an archive of this show after about 20 minutes. Once we're finished today, you'll find the archives of all the shows on angelrose.com forward slash podcasts. So let's just pop back to our guest today, Janice Barcelo. She's dedicated to awakening all future parents to the importance of conscious procreation and to educating young adults about the power we have to transform the earth by transforming the way that we give birth. The journey toward parenthood is a shamanic initiation, a doorway through which we may experience transcendent union with the divine. We as humans have the capacity to create ecstatic and orgasmic spiritual experiences during conception, gestation, and childbirth. However, in order to reach this transcendent way of procreating, we must shift our focus away from the current trauma-based paradigm of haphazard conception and technological birth and make a commitment to conceive our children consciously and gestate birth and parent them in the most conscious and loving way. Conscious conception, followed by a trauma-free gestation and a gentle, joyous birth, allows all family members to have profound experiences of human love that can last a lifetime. What happens during conception, gestation and birth can either lay the foundation for the preservation of love in families forever or its opposite. Janice's commitment is to assisting humanity in attaining the fulfillment of human love and to providing future parents with the education, tools, and nurturing environment necessary for the preparation and successful creation of conscious conception 
trauma-free gestation and love-filled birth. So let's bring Jenny Barcelo. Hi, Janice. Are you there? Hi there. How are you? We're fantastic. How are you today? Well, it's a beautiful day here, too, in New York. It's so nice to see a sky that's not filled with chemtrails, that I can really see the blue <laughs> and beautiful clouds and um, go out there and take a deep breath and feel really good about it. So that is a beautiful thing. And um, I will say that I've been in a very stressed-out place since last night um, because I discovered something through Facebook and that is that Dona, Dona is uh, the doulas of North America. It's an organization okay. that trains and certifies people to become doulas and to become yeah. emotional support for uh, families that are giving birth. Well, they have a publication called Doula Week, and their feature story uh is about circumcision and on the cover uh, on the cover of this story is a picture of serial child sexual abuse it is ritual sexual torture and genital mutilation we have a picture of two men holding an infant down the infant is screaming you could see the infant just totally in extreme pain while one of the men is smirking as if, I mean, there's clearly sadism involved in this picture. And the article itself is incredibly uh, filled with misinformation and lies and excusatory for the ritual torture of infants. And I am extraordinarily upset about Dona doing this, and even more upset about the people in the birth community who are uh, administering the Facebook sites, you know, for birth professionals, um, mm -hmm. shutting down the conversation, refusing to let the conversation happen, ending ending the threads, deleting the threads, you know, deleting me from the Dona site just in order to prevent the conversation from happening. Of course, I'm not the only one of all the doulas that's posted about this because there's now dozens that I'm aware of that are incredibly upset about what Dona has done and many who were thinking about certifying through that organization um, are now going to be walking away and certifying through another organization. So I have always had uh, an issue with Dona this is just because Dona is uh, in the business of training uh, doulas to support women in the choices that the women are making. And this is a pretty mindless type of support when you're aware that the choices that most women are making are harmful to their infants. And we'll go into detail about that today. Uh, it is impossible to go ahead and support women who are choosing circumcision, at least for me. I would, mm -hmm. I, would, I would be very quick to turn a client away if I knew that that was the kind of mentality she was bringing um, to so her I, I'm seeing that they're actually advocating circumcision. Are, are they supporting it in the hospitals and in, and in home births? Is this what they're doing? 
If you look at the article, I think it's clear that Dona has come out in support of circumcision. At the very least, they're making excuses for it and minimizing the severity of the long-term impact that that uh, medical torture will have on boys. And we know that when these boys become men, um, they are having a lot of sexual problems. They're having erectile dysfunction. They're having premature ejaculation. They're having trouble being intimate with their partners because every time they they approach somebody touching their penis, they go into shock. You know, it's a re repeat yeah. of the parasympathetic shock that they experienced as infants. And so it's very difficult for them to be intimate. There, there are studies that are showing they have personality trait disorders, with, in, in terms of how they're relating with other people and especially in intimate situations. Um, there's, there's so many issues long term, not the least of which is that when you cut off the foreskin, what happens is that the glands becomes exposed, okay? And it's not meant to be exposed to all of the elements like that. It's not meant to be rubbing up against diapers or genes when, when men become adults. And so the glands becomes very hard and calloused. And if you look at an image of a, an intact penis next to a, a circumcised penis, you'll clearly see how, um, how calloused the glands has become. That yeah. makes, makes for a, a strong reduction in sensitivity for the men. And the other thing is that the, the foreskin is a very particular type of skin. And when the foreskin meets with the inside of a vaginal wall, it, it triggers the men's brain to release chemicals of human love and human bonding. And when you remove the foreskin, that physiological process is severely undermined. And so we find a situation on our planet, at least in countries like the United States where circumcision is quite common, that men are having a very hard time bonding. They don't protect their partners. They don't, you know, they're just not able to commit to human love the way an intact man would be able to and this is a huge generalization. Yes, but, and tell us, Janice, is, is this is this happening in home birth or you know, where a doula might be, or is it actually happening in the hospitals? In other words, has the doula got control over the circumcision in any way? No. The doula has no control over the circumcision. The doula has control over the choices that she makes about which families she is going to serve. That's number one. Number two, she has an opportunity, once somebody hires her, to share with them information about the dangers of circumcision. But her training does not teach her about this. On the contrary, what Dona is teaching is that this is okay, is that we should indeed support it. Right. You understand? So do yes, the doula training is ridiculously uh, lame. It's unbelievably, disgustingly not helpful in terms of protecting babies. And just the opposite is true. Everything is about the mother. The mother's experience, what the mother wants, you know, it doesn't matter if what the mother wants involves totally, you know, something that's going to harm her child forever. He can't reverse a circumcision. You can't go yeah, and get I your... I think a lot of mothers just don't know. 
you know, they don't have any understanding of the implications of that. At least, that's, at least that's, that's the way I was when I was younger. You know, I had my son in the hospital, and it was just standard procedure. No one even uh, gave me a choice, asked me anything. It was just what you did. And, yes, that's you know, that's... I, I just think there's there's a total lack of education around that, just like there are vaccines. You know, people are just really ignorant about it. And so... It's not even just a lack of education. It's deliberate disinformation. The medical people will um, tell you that, for example, that circumcision is beneficial, that it prevents HIV, when the studies are clearly saying circumcised men are more prone to get HIV. Well, if you have your glands exposed that way all the time without the the protection of the foreskin, yes, you're going to be exposed to viruses. It's, I mean, the glands is just right out there at all times. Yeah, I know they told us just the opposite when my son was born, that, you know, somehow if you put the foreskin on, um, it would be subject to dirt and bacteria getting caught in there, and that's what we were told. Well, and the same thing would go for the vagina. You know, maybe we should cut off the labia. Because, you know, all kinds of dirt and bacteria can get in underneath that labia. Uh, or yeah. maybe we wash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the penis is very, very easy to clean. Very, yeah. very easy to clean. So right. we have to see, see, this is all mind control. This is all a function of mind control. Hopefully we'll go deep into that conversation yeah. today. People are being raised to believe in a deity. The Judeo the Judeo Christian God is some people call him Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever you want to call that entity who requires his followers to cut off the most sensitive part of their son's penis before he's eight days old in order to create a covenant with him. I just want to compare him to the creator. Okay, that actually created the magnificent human form, which mm-hmm. is, you know, on every nerve, every, you know, point of the body is destined to experience human love. And especially the penis is, is, has a functional place to play in creating experiences of human love, deep bonding. But when you alter, that you're altering that person's ability to experience human love and this Mm -hmm. is very deep because these babies are being tortured there's no anesthesia involved okay the babies are strapped to a board like they're crucified to the board their legs are strapped in their arms are strapped in all they can do is scream and eventually when their screams are not heard they go into shock Right, their whole nervous system goes into a place of stillness so that they can deal with the intensity of the, the assault that's being inflicted yes. on them. Their eyes glaze over, they stop crying, they're in shock. They're totally well, in how, shock. How can we get the message out there to mothers that this is just a, an unnatural process and it is part of a mind control agenda? How is it possible? I mean, I, I tell you what, it always puzzles me. Janice, that you have adult men and women 
who are supposedly educated by way of being doctors and psychologists and psychotherapists and in the in the mainstream medical profession and yet they have no idea they have no concept and they subject themselves to all kinds of brainwashing about these kinds of procedures what do you think is the reasoning behind that I think the medical people are some of the most mind controlled of all. I think medical school is like a, a satanic uh, mind control boot camp, like the military. Mm, I mean, right. you have to wear people down. You have to get rid of their will. You know what I'm saying? You have to yes. do everything you can to beat the human essence out of people in order to get them to conform to standard rituals of hospital birth, for example, in order to get them to cut off a piece of a baby boy's penis. Sure. And do you think it's changing in any way? Do you think there's any little glimmer of hope that's coming out from, you know, some parts of the medical profession that maybe would embrace some more natural and loving approach to to life and humanity? Um, I do, you know, I do... uh, think we have a real problem because the AAP just came out with uh, another recommendation for circumcision. So the United States medical system is, you know, holding firm that they're going to continue torturing babies despite all of the evidence to indicate the harm that it's doing long term to children and when they become adults. So there is evil. I mean, it's unmitigated evil behind this and unmitigated mind control that's getting people to participate in it without questioning. Uh, And and the only thing we can do is what we're doing right now is to have conversations about it to, you know, me, I'm constantly posting all over Facebook, posting on Twitter, posting on my blog, you know, doing radio shows several times a month. I have my own radio show every week. I'm about to take on two more radio shows per week. So I'm on the air all the time, you know, right. trying to wake people up. And I am met... A new training course for people, Birth of a New Earth International School for Conscious Procreation. Will that incorporate this kind of opening of people's minds and educating people as to what's really going on? It will. I have a 20-week a uh, curriculum that I've created for young adults. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to teach it to young adults. I'm busy teaching people how to teach the curriculum in my teacher training, but I haven't found the way through the doors at the schools to get this information to the young people because that's, I think, where we'll make the the most impact. But what you see, you know, in the school system is the same thing you see in the medical system are very dark people standing there at the gates, you know, saying, you know, you can't get in. You cannot. You cannot share this truth because we're committed to to hurting people, <laughs> basically. Sure. Yes. Committed yes. School systems are committed to mind-controlling people. That's yes. what they do. You know, they're turning out cogs for the machine. And so I would love to create another school. That's my ultimate vision is to create a real school where we can bring forth some real education for young people that will empower them toward the fulfillment of human love, which is not so much as a conversation in the schools. There is no conversation about healthy parenting. There is no conversation about healthy relationships. There is no conversation about human love. Okay, it's a bunch of mindless dribble that they're feeding these kids, these kids, 
you know, so that the kids can come into the system without questioning the system that is killing everybody. Yes. So the, it's the not, there's, no, you... there's no real education until we get the funding, you know, yes. for creation of a real school, which I don't know now, how that's going to happen. Let me ask you this, Janice. You, you mentioned about the, the trauma that a child will suffer, a young boy, in the process of circumcision. Do you think that as that child grows up to a young man, do, would they be the ones who would advocate uh, some kind of change around this or are they so mind controlled or so shocked by the whole procedure that they, they never they never protest you know it really depends on how they've been raised this is what I'm finding and the level of humanity that they still are able to embody because many you know circumcision causes disassociation we right. look at it as parasympathetic shock. It's a physiological process by which the spirit has to leave the body um, because the overwhelming amount of, of violence that's being inflicted on it. And that's what the, the people involved in trauma-based mind control are after is disassociation so they can program yes. the entities that are, you know, they can program the mind. People who are severely programmed will repeat what's been done to them. Right. There's no question gotcha. about that. People yeah. who are in the process of breaking free from the program are the people who will take a stand against circumcision and protect their children. But yes. I'm afraid to say that the majority right now are still fundamentally programmed. They're not seeking to break free from that programming. And they will fight to the hilt to protect the demon god that they're worshipping, for example. <laughs> You know, and protect the yes. fact that Dona is now promoting circumcision as a feature story, by the way. Wow, wow. Well, tell me this. Along with the the the, the act of circumcision, you also then have the whole religious indoctrination where we're told that you're guilty of something from birth. So that the the the, the mental programming along with the physical trauma is a double double blow to the possibility of anybody becoming a full a full loving human would you say yes because the programming is for shame and self-blame and especially for those that are part of the new age movement and what we what they're calling the law of attraction which basically says you're getting everything you really want okay and everything that's happening to you you created and so you, as an infant, lying there strapped to a freaking board, are, are going to be raised with a belief system that says you created it, that it's your fault, that it's really right. what yeah. you want. And this yeah. is deep, deep levels of mind control, especially in the New Age uh, system. Well, that's been infiltrated too, as we know. So there are lots of belief, New Age belief systems out there that are, that are worrying, actually and are faulty. What we always advocate and, and tell people is go within, do a self-referral exercise where you bounce it off your own heart, you bounce it off your own intuition, and if it feels right, then it's right for you, but if it doesn't feel right, and a lot of the time it doesn't, that's the best, that's the best mechanism that we have found for being able to determine truth. Yeah, I mean, our bodies, what you're saying is there's sensations that you will experience in your heart 
you know, that will that will communicate to you what is good and what is not good. And if yeah. we are um, embodied, if we are able to connect with the sensations of our body, those sensations are delivering a tremendous amount of information. I mean, we could we could spend weeks and months trying to figure something out with our minds. And if we paid attention to our body, that information would be delivered to us in a millisecond. Yes. And yes. that's the, that's the truth. Our bodies are incredible sources of information. Uh, but yes. most of us have experienced such abuse. Yes. And met, much of it is physical. Certainly during the birth process, what they're doing to babies is incredible physical violence in hospitals. Um, that we just, you know, we separate ourselves from our bodies. We we try yes. not to yes. allow ourselves to feel the depth of feeling. Because when yes. we allow our feelings to really, to really, you know, move through our body, it's overwhelmingly torturous. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like do, the emotions yes. of abuse that we've, ex- from the abuse that we've experienced are intense and so is the physical pain. Yes. Tell but us many- more about the whole hospital process of, uh, at birth and what happens to girls as well as boys. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to start at the beginning of uh, the process. If if people are part of the um, the mainstream prenatal care, what they call prenatal care today, it's a friggin' joke. But um, what we're finding, if you do enter into technological prenatal care, is that one in three women is being induced, and induction basically means that we're going to force the baby to come before the baby's ready. Um, And they're going to tell all kinds of lies about why they have to do this. They're going to say really ridiculous things like, your baby's head is too big for your pelvis, or you, you don't have enough fluid in the amniotic sac, or, um, let me see, what's the other one that they're using? Oh, yes, the placenta is too old. <laughs> the placenta Ooh. is aged and it's not taking care of your baby anymore. we got to get your baby out right away. All of these things are total, totally bogus. This is total nonsense and lies. Nature doesn't create baby's heads to be too big. It doesn't create placentas to die before the babies are born. On the contrary, when you do a lotus birth, okay, when women give birth to a baby and don't cut the umbilical cord, uh, they keep the umbilical cord attached to the placenta and their babies until the umbilical cord falls off naturally off their baby. All right, the placenta is still pulsing five days after birth. Okay, when the baby nurses, the placenta is still responding to the baby getting its needs met. So we'll talk about more about the placenta later, but the placenta is not dying while the baby's in the womb. It's a total lie. All of it's a total lie. And I have to say that it's a profound uh, assault on the infant to force that infant to come before it's ready. And, you know, this is very deep because in a natural situation, the infant will communicate with the mother's body, okay, to indicate that it's ready to be born. So it will send signals that it's ready, the mother's body will will begin producing the neurochemicals of birth, and the birth process will begin, okay? Mm-hmm. When you steal that determination over the baby's right to determine when it's ready, when it will be born, 
this has a long-term impact on the infant, okay? Because what the infant is now going to be thinking, if somebody forces it, is that I don't have any control over my destiny. There's right. something outside yeah. of me, right, that's controlling my destiny. And that something is not loving. That something yes. does not have my best interests at heart. Okay? And babies can confuse that with God. And yes. they can, yeah. we can be programmed with a a belief system that says that entity outside of us wants to hurt us, wants to get us, is is punishing us. Mm-hmm. All right, taking our power what, away. That's God. And what kind of programs, let's call it, for want of a better word, can a, a now adult do to alleviate or remove or forgive that kind of trauma or reverse it in it in some way? Um, I haven't even finished about the trauma of induction, but I, I do want to say that the, the key, yeah, yeah. in ahead. my opinion, the key there's several there's a couple of keys for healing. If you're the parent of a child that has been hurt, with your permission, especially, okay, it is imperative to apologize, to number one acknowledge the trauma that your child has experienced, because if you don't acknowledge it, your child will never trust you. Never. Because your child realizes what you're capable of and the level of mind control that you're capable of being under to hurt them. And so it's important that parents let their children know they are aware of what their children have been through and that their regret terribly that they didn't understand is what they understand now at the time that their children were hurt. You understand? So parental... Uh, apology and recognition is very, very important. I think it, I, frankly, I think it's the most important thing for long-term healing. Um, but also, if you don't have that, if your parents refuse to acknowledge what's happened, then we're on our own basically to discover for ourselves what's happened to us, you know, do regression work, um, People are asking me to help them, you know, uncover their imprints. My teacher training is a deep process around helping people uncover what's happened to them. And once you have the conscious awareness, we also need to have a holistic tool to help move these memories out of the nervous system. So I like to use Jinshin. It's a Japanese system of subtle energy medicine, and it's spelled J-I-N-S-H-I-N. Um, there's also emotional freedom technique or Watsu therapy or Watsu's really beautiful. I, I love Watsu. Um, I haven't had much success with emotional freedom technique uh, myself, but a lot of people have, so I, I recommend it. You know, also uh, cranial sacral therapy is very very beneficial to help uh, move the stuff out of the nervous system. So that's what we need. We need to get it out of our nervous system, and we need to find it, you know, find ways that are non-cathartic. So I think it's a little bit dangerous for those who've had a lot of trauma to do things like rebirthing, uh, simply because you're going you're gonna to have a flood of memories come into your conscious mind when you do rebirthing. There's no doubt about it. The memories will come, but it can it can create an enormous amount of catharsis and the adrenalization of the system and the re-traumatizing of the system. 
So we want to avoid re-traumatizing ourselves. You know, it's important to have a tool that we can use to calm our nervous system down as these memories are surfacing. And we have to seek to have the memories surface, not necessarily to relive them in the way that we experience them as babies, but to have... Yeah, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We want to have ways to have this surface so that we can heal it. And it can surface by having circumstances in your life manifest that are similar to what happened to you as a child, when what happened to you in the womb, for example. So I'll give you just an example of how this can work. If you're in a womb where your parents are arguing all the time, your father is cheating on your mother or abusing your mother, okay, when you become a teenager, when you reach adolescence or go into adulthood, it's possible that you will, as a woman, attract a man who is abusive or who will cheat on you. Okay, so the key to healing is that you are aware that what is happening is a repeat of your prenatal pain. And you are now recreating the circumstances of your early wounding in an effort to bring it to consciousness and heal it. We're always, you know, humans uh, have a system that's very geared toward helping us return to love. And in order to return to love, we have to recreate the circumstances, right? Let's say we create the abusive guy. And if we can get the guy to change and become loving to us, right, that's how the system's working, then we can heal our original wound. But unfortunately, we don't often get the guy to become loving to us (laughs) unless we've had a way to move our trauma out of the nervous system and finally attract a loving guy. Okay. So, Janice, let's go back to we were beginning to talk about the effects of hospitals, and you were were beginning to talk to us about um, birth in general. So can we go back there? And can yeah, you continue with the process? Thank you. Sure. So I was talking about induction. And I want to stress that if you are, if you allow them to induce you, there's several things that are going to happen. Okay. Number one, they're going to, they're going to put you on a fetal heart monitor because they're going to use a drug called Pitocin which which often creates fetal distress. And I'll talk more about Pitocin in just a minute. Okay, they know that Pitocin creates fetal distress. And so they use a fetal heart monitor to keep track of when the baby is going to go into distress. <laughs> and very often this fetal heart monitor is called, it's an internal fetal heart monitor, which means they're going to take their hands and their arms and insert them into the body of a, into the vagina of a laboring woman and they're going to take this probe and screw the probe into the baby's skull. The probe has a screw that literally goes into the baby's skull and it goes into the baby's skull in the, the soft spot of the baby's head 
where the baby would otherwise be receiving a download of spiritual information as it makes its transition into this dimension. But each time there's a contraction, that screw in the baby's head is going to pull and tug at the baby's head. And babies who have experienced fetal heart monitors grow up to be adults who do not want their heads touched because they have memories of extreme pain from the fetal heart monitor that was screwed into their heads. And babies are coming out with, you know, deep wounds on their skull from these fetal heart monitors. So that's just one thing, okay? Uh, several other things are going to happen if you allow induction. And sometimes the fetal heart monitor is going to be used even if you're not induced, okay? But for sure, you're going to be on a fetal heart monitor if you're induced because they're going to be using all kinds of drugs that cause all kinds of problems for mother and baby, okay? A, a drug that they are using in hospitals every single day during induction is called Cytotec. Now, Cytotech is an ulcer drug that is being used off-label in hospitals for induction. It's being used to ripen the cervix. And it says very clearly on the label, on the warning label, that the drug is not to be used on pregnant women. And the reason is because it can create intense contractions that are so ridiculously intense that they cause uterine rupture, and uteruses are rupturing left and right. There's websites cropping up all over the Internet for people that are victims of cytotech. How do you spell the name of that, Denise? Uh, C-Y-T-O-T-E-C. Okay. Okay, so... Cytotech, uh, the, other, the other real big threat with cytotech, in addition to uterine rupture, is what's called amniotic fluid embolism, which means that, that there is a hole that gets punctured in the, in the amniotic sac that surrounds the baby, and the amniotic fluid goes through the bloodstream of the mother into her heart and instantly kills her. So women and babies are dying. I want to stress that the United States is number 50 in the world in terms of maternal mortality. That means that there's 49 other countries on this planet that are doing way better than we are in terms of protecting mothers during birth. And on the contrary, our system is killing women and it's killing babies. <clears throat> okay, so anybody that wants more information about the infant and mortality rates in the United States as compared to 49 other countries, <clears throat> please go to my blog at birthofanewearth.blogspot.com. On the right-hand side is a search engine. Type in infant mortality or maternal mortality, and you will have your statistics. And if you want to learn about anything that I'm talking about right now, please go to my blog and type in the search engine, the topic that you want to learn more about, okay, because it's, it's on my blog. My blog is hard-hitting. 
with very strong information about what's really happening. Right. Now, we will we would like you to give that blog URL again towards the end of the show so that people have that resource to go to. You talk a lot about, on your websites and so on, you talk a lot about the impact of that whole hospital hospital birth. And you've mentioned about the various drugs that are used. And then at the same time, side by side with that, you talk about the satanic rituals and you talk about mind control. And I, I, I know myself yeah, coming let me, from let me Ireland. Yeah, go ahead with that because that's an area that's fascinating to us. I was going to say that coming from Ireland, we're very, very concerned about the whole issue of sovereignty. Now, when I talk about sovereignty there, what I mean, though, is the ability to be able to be free thinking on your own and have have sovereignty inside you. I'm not talking about the freedom to drive down the street or to cross from one state into another. I'm talking about, about the sovereignty inside the human being which I know is the same thing that you're talking about there. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, see, with trauma-based mind control, what they're doing, what the U.S. government has been up to for a couple of uh, decades at least, maybe hundreds of years for all I know, um, is that they're trying to create people to do things like assassinate presidents. Um, and... What they do is they traumatize the person so severely that it creates multiple personality disorder. Okay, when you have a, an infant that's been that's been let's say circumcised, okay, and and has experienced such extreme pain that it has disassociated. What that means is that the part of that person that is um, vulnerable and sensitive and loving and gentle and tender and warm, that part of the person has to step either step back or step out of the body altogether in order for another energy to step in, an energy that can heal with the abuse, that can deal with the abuse rather, that can deal with the assault, Okay. With trauma-based mind control, they are literally creating multiple personalities, personalities that have no idea that the others exist. Okay, so you can have somebody assassinate someone through one personality, and the rest of the personalities don't know the assassination happened. You can have people changing eye color as as they change personality. It's really trippy. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've okay. read a lot about that. May be a case of spiritual possession, because when disassociation happens, anything can come in. We don't know what's coming in. Okay, I'm not saying everybody's possessed, but yeah. I am saying that there are cases of extreme trauma-based mind control. Okay, where they are methodically and systematically torturing and terrorizing children until the children are forced to disassociate. All right? It's causing a primal split in these children from who they really are, all right, to what they have to be in order to deal with this. This is done through very well-planned, well-thought-out rituals. Right that are happening every day in hospital birth, rituals that cause the psyche to shatter, that cause the soul to split from the body. 
all right, that can open the gateways for an alternate personality to step in and a personality that can deal with the torture. All right? And, 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 and I want to stress... An orchestrated plan. It's a very well thought out, methodical torture of infants to cr- repetitively create extreme pain. All right, they also use drugs to create confusion and delusion and terror. All of this is being done in hospital birth as well, okay? They will, um, it involves deprivation. So they'll prevent um, people who they're torturing from having water or or having having light. You know, they're, they're, uh, you see what the military does, right? They put these black bags, these black uh, heavy-duty bags over their prisoners, Yes. So that there's no exposure to light. All of this can create, a, you know, shatter the psyche. They put children in boxes, right, so that the children cannot move. And even though there's no signs of uh, of scratching or beatings on the children, the children who are put in boxes uh have the muscles rebel when you're in a box for hours at a time. It causes extreme pain. I mean, I met somebody who was part of a family where he was involved in this ritual torture. You know, they prevent they prevent the children from bonding with their mothers. This is very important. You can't you can't allow bonding. Yes. So they had the, the, the they had him bond with a puppy instead. And then they had him kill the puppy when he was four years old. Oh, my God. Well, Janice, hold that thought right there. Let us, of necessity, take a quick studio break here and remind our listeners that you're listening to Ange Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series radio show. We're speaking with our special guest today, Janice Barcelo. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. We're speaking with Janice Barcelo, who can be contacted at birthofanewearth.com. Will you remind us of that blog address also, Janice, and then continue on? Sure. Um, it's, my blog is birthofanewearth.blogspot.com, and my website is birthofanewearth.com. My radio show is Birth of a New Earth. <laughs> so, okay. um, Birth of a New Earth, if you type that in, you'll come up with something <laughs> that's related to me probably. Great. Okay. Thanks. All right. Go ahead. Sorry for that little interruption there. You were you were speaking about the military control of people and the methods that they use. Well, what what we have are see the interesting thing about this is that the origins of this uh, trauma based mind control are in Nazi Germany, and the United States actually brought over all these Nazi scientists. Uh, <laughs> to our country to teach the military, you know, the techniques. And, you know, organizations like the CIA have been using these techniques for several decades. Mind control is pervasive. If people want to learn more about it, you know, type in um, 
MK Ultra or Project Monarch or there's so many different just type in trauma based mind control and you'll come up with millions of hits to see yeah. what the United States government has been up to. Um uh, but it's you know the United States government is just one of the institutions that have been created by the dark forces, right, to uh exercise power over our over us and especially over our minds, the word government, governmente, okay, means to control the mind. The origins of the word government mean mind control. (laughs) So something something to consider. uh, And the mind control is pervasive in all institutions, basically. I mean, you can't eat a piece of food right now or drink a glass of water coming out of your tap without mind control elements in them. There's fluoride in the drinking water. Okay, there's yeah. there's chemicals, there's mind-altering chemicals in the food, like aspartame, that mm. kill the brain. I, I know. They're all different and, and wonderful areas to explore in their own right, which we do on this show and your own and numerous others, of course, as well. But we don't want to get diverted really from the core of what we want to try and cover today, and that is the trauma that happens in hospitals to our children. Can you can you talk m- more about really, I know that you're coming from a loving space with Denise and that you don't want to be seen as a, an anarchist or somebody who's anti-government or anything like that. I understand that. But at the same time, we want to try and get at a, a resolution or a means by which people can help resolve this within themselves. I mean, you know, we're very much against focusing on the negative. We want to try and move towards the positive aspect of things and how we can create, birth this new earth that you are so so conscious of. How can we help? I know you said that, yes, we can talk about this and we can discuss this and we can put it out there on, on various internet and social media and so on. But A lot of times, as you have rightly said, people are so programmed by the past and by various mechanisms that have been put in place that it's very, very difficult for them to actually see a way out of this. I mean, people look to the government for protection. People look to their police forces for protection when, in fact, they're actually just uh, acquiescing to control is all they're doing. And every time some... I'm sorry. To so talk you. about that. So talk about that in terms of moving oh. towards a better way of living. So I want to ask you guys because there's two ways this there's two ways this conversation can go because we only have an hour or more, um, and that is that we can go into depth about the hospital birth so that people can become aware of what they need to avoid. All right, or we can go through the steps of how to how to create this, but how to create the new earth, how to create a new humanity, a humanity that's not been traumatized, a humanity that has its capacities intact. But yeah, frankly, I strongly that we have to take people through what's gone wrong first in mm-hmm. order to see what needs to be corrected. You see, so sure, the, I understand. The other part about what what we need to do to correct this is almost another show, you know, because there's many things we need to do, but first we need to become aware of what not to do that we're doing every day. You know, women are going into hospitals every day to give birth. They're under a form of mass hypnosis. 
You know, right. and if we don't break the spell... Do you think the first thing then is to educate people to be able to say no and to understand what their body is saying? Do you think that's more or less the first step? Yes. First off, you have to realize how you have been disconnected from your body. You have to learn to become comfortable paying attention to your body. You know, our feelings are a key to knowledge. I said that they're a key part of how we receive information from, from the spiritual world, you know, from the source. So we have to connect with our bodies, um, and we have to realize how to do that, you know, and that we have been disconnected from our bodies. Going into a hospital is a strong indication that we're we're under a spell, that we're not connected to our own bodies, that we're reliving our early trauma. We're doing I... we're doing what's been done to us. Yes. Okay. Uh, and we're doing it mindlessly without asking questions because we're told by the media that hospitals are safe. When in truth, if we stepped back from the media, stepped out of the mind control, we'd see that hospitals are places of uh, death, of, right. of, of horrendous disease, of extreme trauma, you know, mm -hmm. and of, uh, I mean, there's so many viruses and bacteria and horrible things in hospitals. We have to be out of our minds, and we are, to walk into them and to think that this is a good place to give birth. Right. It's, it's insane. So, I mean, the, so the insanity you, can only be seen when you step out of it, when you, when you yeah. come out of the programming. So you'd be very much for a home birth. But would you would you also be open to the possibility that that hospital may serve some purpose in saving somebody's life at some point? Yes, I would say that. I would I would say that it, that they are not good places to give birth. I try to avoid the medical system, you know, but we can't always avoid it because we have broken legs, broken arms, we have illnesses that have reached such a point that we need to go to them, you know, and they do have a place. Do I think that, you know, I think maybe during birth they have a place in one or two percent of birth. Okay, Janice, let's, let's go into educating a woman or parents yeah. about what they want to avoid with the hospital. So you want to avoid in induction, all right? The other drug I want to talk about with induction is Pitocin. It's spelled P-I-T-O-C-I-N. Pitocin is artificial oxytocin. And natural oxytocin is the hormone of human love and human bonding. Okay? It's the hormone that allows for a mother to love her baby. It, it also creates very healthy contractions, and it, uh, it it's intimately involved in the letdown of breast milk. So oxytocin, natural oxytocin, is very, very important for the mother-child bond and also for the family unit because in a natural birth, oxytocin will be produced in, in the father if he's there too, creating a deep experience of human love for mother, father, and child and, and other children if the other children are present. This very important hormone and when you inject uh, pitocin, artificial oxytocin, into the, a laboring mother, um, you're going to trick her brain, you see, and so her brain's not going to be producing the real thing. And 
This is very deliberate. They know what they're doing, okay? They are doing everything they can to undermine human love and to break up the family. Pitocin is going to interrupt the mother and child bonding properly. And there's many other things that are going to interrupt it that we'll talk about over the next hour. Pitocin is also going to create contractions that are so intense that the mother is probably going to be begging for pain relief, like an epidural. Because with Pitocin, see, in a natural birth, the contractions will come, you know, they'll peak for maybe 20 seconds, then they'll taper off, and the body will rest. And then they'll come again. Okay, but with Pitocin, there is no rest. It's constant peak, rolling contractions, one on top of another, on top of another. It's just absurd what the mother is going through when she allows herself to receive Pitocin, which is always going to happen if she's induced. No question about it, they're going to use that drug. And if the mother is experiencing these intense contractions, I want people to realize that the baby is also experiencing intense contractions. I said earlier that they know that Pitocin causes fetal distress. And that is why they put women on fetal heart monitors because they are aware that the drug is going to distress the baby. And there are doctors giving orders to nurses called PIT, P-I-T, PIT to distress, which means the doctor wants the nurse to give the mother a huge amount of Pitocin to deliberately distress the baby so that they can move more quickly to a C-section. And if you doubt what I'm saying, go to my blog, <laughs> type in pit to distress, or just type in Pitocin, um, and you will find the nurse's blogs. The nurses and who what, are... And what, Janice, is the advantage to d delivering by C-section as opposed to letting the mother deliver naturally? What's the advantage to the medical system? The advantage to the medical system is financial, number one. They make a huge amount of money doing C-sections that they don't make if the mother gives birth naturally, but also because it can be done on their schedule. You see, birth is a very – natural birth is a very um, – uncontrollable process. You just don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know what kind of process the mother and the baby are going through, especially the mother, because the mother is often traumatized from her own birth, which is activating when she gives birth to her baby, and it often slows down the birth. But in any, this is so complex and so deep. But, see, with C-section, they can control when the birth happens, and how quickly they can move to another birth or move to their golf game or whatever it is that they want right. to do. C-section is also very powerful in terms of trauma-based mind control. And so you're taking the mother's power in a huge way. 
I mean, yes. C-section is something I want to talk about later because it comes at, it comes later in the process of birth. There's other things that come before this that are ultimately yeah. going to lead to the C-section. By sure, the way, on if time, you are induced, you have a 75% chance of being... Sorry, mind you, that you have about 22 or 3 minutes left, and I don't want to feel that we've run out of time at the end. And I understand, you know, in a short program like this, we don't have enough time at all to cover any of these issues in depth. So can you give us this sequence and perhaps at a future time we can come back and delve deeper into any one aspect of them. But you, you, you mentioned about a sequence that you wanted to follow through on here. All right, the sequence goes like this. Induction, amniotomy. Amniotomy means breaking the waters, that beautiful sack of water around the baby that the baby's been living in its whole life that protects the baby from the intensity of contractions, they're going to break it. All right, so now the baby's totally exposed with a screw in its head with Pitocin contractions that have turned the uterus into a trash compactor instead of a birth canal. You want to talk about intense for the baby. It's unbelievable. So, of course, the baby's heart rate's going to decelerate. All right, after induction, Right, we have Pitocin with induction, we have Cytotech, we have, um, the next thing is going to be the anesthesia, the epidural, right, or some other form of anesthesia, and I can't run through this quickly because every one of these things needs to be talked about and the impact that they're having. All right, epidural. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go through it. Epidural that you're now going to get because the pain from the Pitocin is so ridiculous that you're begging for pain relief. Epidural is intended to numb the bottom half of a mother's body so that she can't feel any pain. All right. But when you're giving birth, you need to be able to squat, all right, to spiral your pelvis, to get on all fours if necessary, to lift a leg up and on the bed or whatever, to open up your pelvis, to feel your baby, to help your baby get born. If you allow them to give you an epidural, you are abandoning your baby. Mm-hmm. End of story. There's no way around this. You will not be able to help your baby get born because mm-hmm. you will not be able to feel your own body and to feel what your baby needs you to do to help your baby get born. Right. Right. And you're going, I mean, a, a woman with an epidural is going to have to lay down because she can't stand up. She can't feel her bottom, the bottom half of her body. So she's yes. laying down. As soon as she lays down, her pelvis is going to narrow. Her, the blood vessels are going to restrict cutting off the oxygen supply. She's not there to help her baby, and her baby's got the screw in its head and the lack of uh, a protective sac and the Pitocin contractions. Mother's laying down. Mother can't help. And this poor kid, right, is totally on its own. We're leaving babies alone at the gate, saying do it yourself against unbelievable odds. Okay, Mm. and with epidural, The epidural, in a natural birth, the mother is going to be producing opiates like, you know, uh, beta endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, all these beautiful, yummy, natural hormones that make the birth process pleasurable and that allow for a deep experience of human love uh, happen Mm -hmm. at birth. You see, but when you get an epidural, 
and your body doesn't experience any sensation whatsoever, your brain is not going to produce the opiates of birth. All right? It's not going to happen. And those opiates are not just for the mother. They're for the baby as well, to make the baby have a, a decent, pleasurable, doable birth experience. Yes. But since the opiates are not there, baby is going to be experiencing more pain. Even if mother is experiencing no pain and everybody's oh so concerned about the mother's experience, you know, and the mother's memories and making sure the mother gets to have her choices, well, what about the baby? What about that baby? And what yeah. about the, the fact that it's been totally abandoned? And at every turn, the medical profession has done a series of things that are going to create extreme pain and trauma for the child. What about mm -hmm. that? Okay. So sorry to be negative, but this is an attempt on my part to wake people up from the, uh, from the mind control. No, it's a good thing. Indeed, we encounter a lot of people who come to us for help. And a lot of them are feeling that sense of abandonment. They feel abandoned by their families, by their society, by their government, by God, the biggest thing. And do you think that that's related to this sense of abandonment at childbirth? There's no question about it. Absolutely. And it's, it's even before birth because they're being abandoned in the womb, which is a whole other show. You know, they're sitting in the womb because we're conceived so haphazardly. We're sitting in the womb for six or eight weeks before anybody even notices that we're there. Right. We're alone. We're totally abandoned. And then sometimes when, when somebody notices that we're there, they're like, oh, no. Like, what are you doing there? Get out. I want right. you dead. Yeah. This conception shock that you spoke to us about in a previous show. Yeah. So, okay. So there you have it. I mean, it starts that soon. It starts immediately with conception. It is profoundly uh, recreated during the birth process. Because, <laughs> right. you know, the hospitals are also taking babies away from their mother. Right. When I was right. born, my, my mother didn't see me for like a day or two. Yeah, okay, they don't, allow, they don't allow for bonding to happen in hospitals. So let me continue, okay? Um, mm. So now you've got the epidural. You're on your back. You can't get into positions to help your baby get born. Your baby's going into fetal distress from all the ridiculous things that have been done with it. Boom, we're going to a C-section. <laughs> right, and yeah. C-section, you know, is major surgery. They're literally going to lift your womb out of your body and put it on your stomach to sew it up. And I have pictures of this on my blog, the C-sectioned womb. It's, it's, we're talking major surgery. And we're talking, if your baby doesn't come through the birth canal, not only is it denied the victory of birth, which we need. We need the imprint that we were victorious in the birth process so that we can feel victory in other parts of our lives. But that victory is stolen with C-section. And the imprint can be, you know, if a baby has tried and tried to be born, okay, without anybody's help and with all this pain and doesn't succeed because they're ripping it out C-section, long term that person can have a, a sense that no matter how hard it tries, no matter how much work it does, it just can't can't get to where it needs to go. You know, it just right. can't make things work. 
something yes, outside yes. has to take control in order for their lives to work. So, like they need outside help. So I'm not saying this is everybody because C-section, you know, C-section can have a variety of imprints for different people. But it's a major theft. And we know that one in three babies is being ripped out of the womb. And in many hospitals, it's one in two. So we have a wow. situation on our planet where babies are, where children, uh, you know, every other kid has had the victory of birth stolen. Yes, yes, yes. And just the recognition of that, though, just the, the, the awareness of that having happened to you can, can lead to a healing or certainly a, a movement towards healing that birth trauma. Yes, the, the, the bringing this, this imprint to consciousness is the beginning of the healing process and recognizing the damage that it's done. You know, I want to say a couple other things about C-section. That mm -hmm. journey through the birth canal with normal contractions actually activates the baby's um, respiratory system and immune system. When you don't, when the baby doesn't get through the birth canal, then very often they're born with respiratory problems, which can also be a reflection of an abandonment imprint because the abandonment imprint right in the lungs, okay? But they have respiratory problems. They have immune system problems. They end up in the neonatal intensive care units where they are extremely tortured, tortured unbelievable what they're doing in neonatal intensive care units. Just disgusting, outrageous abuse to infants. So, and C-section is um, slicing through seven meridian centers of the woman's body. Yes. So it's a severe electrical assault on the system. It also is communicating to the mother that she is a defective machine, that she is powerless, that she yeah. can't do the most natural and beautiful thing. And, of course, with C-section, the hormones of love and bonding are not going to be produced because the birth process has been hijacked. And on the contrary, the neurobiology of grief is going to activate instead. Mm. So we have an extreme situation of postpartum depression on our planet, which is not natural. It's totally caused by the trauma. Now, okay, let's say you somehow managed to, to avoid the C-section. You're you're one out of two, and you got you got out of that hospital without the okay. C-section. Your baby actually came through your vagina. All right. What they're going to do when your baby comes out is a, a a procedure called the clamping of the umbilical cord. <clears throat> yes. Now, this is a very deep thing because the placenta is attached to that umbilical cord, and there's a bunch of blood that's pumping through the placenta into the umbilical cord that's supposed to go to your baby. And that yes. blood contains oxygen and nutrients that will help uh, activate the nervous system and create a healthy immune system and allow for the baby to take its time in the transition from the womb into the world to take its breath because the baby doesn't need to breathe. When you watch babies underwater, 
when they're born, they can be under there for five minutes. They don't need to breathe because all of their oxygen is being supplied through the blood that's been coming to them the whole time they're in the womb. They haven't yes. they haven't been breathing. You know what I mean? I so yeah. when you cut that cord immediately after birth, you are preventing the baby from receiving one-third of its blood supply, which creates an immediate hemorrhage condition in the infant and also is causing the infant to gasp in desperation for its life because it's just been cut off from its oxygen supply. Yes, yes, yes. On top of this is the fact that the infant has a very deep spiritual bond with the placenta, the placenta being willing to destroy its own body in order to make sure the baby is nourished. If the baby is undernourished in any way, the placenta will begin to break down its body and feed that baby. And in indigenous cultures like Bali, they understand, you know, that the placenta is like a guardian angel. The baby and the placenta have a deep relationship with each other. And fathers in Bali have very strict protocols that they have to follow in order to protect their baby's placenta because they understand if the wrong people get their hands on their baby's placenta that their babies can be influenced by evil spirits throughout their lives. Makes sense. Okay, so we have a situation on our planet, and I don't want to scare people, but I have to tell people that there are there are a large number of what I'm going to say is questionably human entities <laughs> in positions of power engaged in satanic rituals that involve the ingestion of human blood and human body parts because they think it gives them spiritual power to consume the life force of other people. Okay, we shouldn't be surprised by this because most of our species is consusing the life force of animals. That's right. We haven't gone the extreme of consuming each other. But we are consuming life force and thinking that it's normal. Mm. And the Satanists think that it's normal to consume blood and body parts of human beings. And they prefer the blood and body parts of children, prepubescent children, and especially infants, because they think that it contains the most life force and will give them the most spiritual power. So there has been a mass uh, flooding of consciousness right now to try to get people to do what's called cord blood banking and even bank their menstrual blood, because these people are desperate to get our blood. Wow. So be aware, okay, do not ever, ever let anybody get your baby's blood or umbilical cord. That blood, that's, yes. What is the normal time, like when the baby is born and it's connected with the cord to the placenta, uh, how long does that placenta stay connected to the baby? Oh, well, the placenta can, I mean, the the umbilical cord would stay connected to the baby for several days, three, five, seven, you know, it depends. It will, it will dry up, you know, after your baby receives all of its blood, all right, the, the, the cord will turn white. 
All right, if, if it's blue or if it's red or if it's purple, that means there's still blood that's pumping to your baby, and that baby needs your needs its blood. The cord blood belongs inside your baby at birth. If you want your baby to, to have stem cells, give that baby its stem cells at birth so that it will have a healthy immune system. Do not believe this, this nonsense about cord blood banking because I'll bet you any amount of money it's not being banked. Um, so it can take... Several minutes, you know, I, I would, you know, you don't want to cut the cord for at least an hour. You want to wait until that cord is totally white. And if you really want to be loving, okay, you don't cut it at all. You let the baby part with its connection to the placenta on its own, which can take several days, and it's a lot of work to do a lotus birth. This is called lotus birth. They're never going to let you do a lotus birth if you go to a hospital. <laughs> you have to do it at home. Um, but a lotus birth means, you know, your baby's going to come out. A few minutes later, the placenta is going to come out. Now your baby is attached to the umbilical cord and attached to the placenta, and so you have to carry your baby and your baby's placenta for several days which really keeps mothers in bed a lot with their babies the first couple of days when they do a lotus birth. And you have to have a special tray and special herbs so that the placenta, the drying blood, doesn't smell. Um, so it's a process to do a lotus birth, and it is by far the most loving thing that we can do to let the baby decide when it's ready. Yeah. Um, but if at the very least, let your baby have all of its blood and do not let them clamp and cut the umbilical cord uh, before the, the cord has turned white. And certainly right. do not leave that hospital without your baby's placenta. You know, take the placenta home and bury it. You know, plant a tree or some Now, wouldn't meeting... you do that? Would yeah. they allow that? Would they allow a mother or parents to take the placenta home from a, a standard U.S. hospital? You know, it's work. You have to know what I'm talking about ahead of time. You have to... Find out what the policy is in the hospital that you're planning on going to, and you may have to jump through hoops and get certain forms in right. order to in order to take your baby's placenta. They don't make yeah. it easy because yes, they yes. want it. They want yeah. it. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And um, yeah. let me say that that uh, what was I just going to say? Okay. Just make sure you take it home. Don't let them have it. Do whatever you can. Don't go to a hospital that's going to prevent you from taking your baby's placenta. It's very, very important. Right. Okay. So after they've stolen your – they're going to harness that cord blood, too, the cord blood that belongs to your baby. They're going to have it. And there's no medically re necessary reason, no medical benefit on the contrary, no medical benefit whatsoever to cutting that cord. Zippo, it's right. hurting babies. And they know it, <clears throat> and they like it. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in, okay. just got five well, minutes left. So, if if you want to just use hey, let that. me say a few more things, okay? Because okay. this is important. Sure. When when the baby comes out, they're also going to do a bunch of mean spirited protocols that involve putting poison gunk in the baby's eyes. They're going to say that they're po putting this poison in your baby's eyes to prevent your baby from going blind. But what they're really doing is preventing your baby from making eye contact with you because they know <clears throat> that eye contact is a primary means by which the neurobiology of love will activate. 
So you, they will not allow love to happen. If there's anything that they have to say about it, they're going to try to prevent it. So the gunk's going to go in the baby's eyes. They're going to take your baby away, inject it with neurotoxic vaccines, vitamin K shots, do all sorts of mean things to it, and then they're going to wrap your baby in a toxic blanket filled with chemicals that stink like hell, okay, and they're going to wrap your baby so tight that your baby's going to go into parasympathetic shock, because swaddled babies have extremely high levels of cortisol, which means that they're not sleeping, they're not at peace, they are in severe trauma when they're swaddled. And they're going to hand you your baby totally swaddled so that you cannot make skin-to-skin contact with your baby. They're going to put a hat on your baby's head as well, okay? So what they're doing Skin-to-skin is another primary means by which the neurobiology of love will activate. They're preventing that. They're putting the hat on because the baby's head releases pheromones that also allow for bonding and for love at birth. There's several more things that I I want to stress. We haven't even talked about circumcision, although we did at the beginning. At every turn... Just use the time to fully summarize what it is that you're saying, because it's necessary for us to to wrap this up as cleanly and as best as we can with the limited time that we have. What I'm saying is that they're deliberately trying to alter the human race to prevent us from accessing human love so that we will be enslaved to them. What I'm saying is that we need to, to stay out of hospitals whenever possible, and to birth our babies in a loving, gentle, welcoming environment that is not filled with people wearing masks and gowns, performing satanic and abusive rituals on us and our infants in hospitals. Women are on the altar of birth. Mm. And can you give us a little one-liner about the Anastasia books? We've read the first in the series of them and find that they're absolutely wonderful. We, we want to try and put some time into that, but that's a whole other subject in its own right. But give us your understanding of what the Anastasia books are teaching. The Anastasia books are teaching about the importance of, of uh, conceiving and birthing babies in the most gentle and loving way and preparing a space of love for them to enter. They are about breaking free from the occult forces that have controlled our minds, the dark forces for so many years, and they provide the keys through which we will be able to birth an earth that is a flourishing garden filled with happy families living in the fulfillment of human love. Right. Unfortunately, we do have to leave it there, and we have been listening to Janice Barcelo, birthsofanewearth.com. You've been listening to the Honest to God series radio show with Angel Rose and Ahanu. And by way of a little summary, we have been speaking about circumcision, mind control, hospital births, the technological prenatal care of babies, inducing. We have been recreating the prenatal pain, and we've spoken about the return to love. Uh, Pitocin and fetal distress. We've talked about trauma-based mind control, breaking the waters, the epidural, C-section, cutting the cord, the hospital use of the placenta. Uh, We spoke about healing with Jinshin, uh, EFT, Watsu therapy, cranial sacral, 
and to move pain out of the nervous system. And um, we also spoke very, very briefly about the caution that Janice has about using rebirthing because of the potential of recreating and re-traumatizing ourselves. Um, we spoke, spoke about uterine rupture and that feeling was the key to knowledge. But before we close, Angel Rose wants to say something real quick. I just want to thank you once again, Janice, for this powerful 90 minutes. And we will have you on again because it is a subject where we do need to continue. And I just want to tell my listeners, if this sounds very shocking and unbelievable to you, I have had my own experiences of what Janice is talking about. I am very aware of the mind control she's talking about and the dark forces. It's come to me through other ways. And this is something everybody really needs to uh, cop on about because it is huge. It's all pervasive. It's getting worse. And when we speak of these Anastasia books or anything else that returns people to the awareness of what it really means to be human and to be natural. This is, this is where we have to go. So, Janice, I hope we will continue. We won't make it so long if we can get you in sooner so that our listeners don't have a break, uh, such a long break in between the conversations. That yeah, I'm up for that. And I just want to give you a big hug because I know that um, as we listen to this information, we're in a very deep private process ourselves for what's happened to us and our children. So I just want to say that I feel that, and um, <clears throat> I have enormous okay. compassion and love. All right. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We thank you most sincerely, Janice Barcelo, and her okay. contact details are on her thank website you. at birthofanewearth.com. Thank you so much. Remember thank to you. opt into angelrose.com from her website. We want to thank you most sincerely, our listeners, and with love, blessings, thank you for listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series, and we will see you for Penny Kelly next week. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.